0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith.
1: The accuser of the brethren shouts down in your mind and heart and spirit to cripple you and accuse you. You need the shepherd to come and restore you. He tells you, I love you just because I love you, not because you've earned it. If God loved you before you were saved, he certainly loved you after you were saved. If God did all he did to orchestrate your salvation, he's not going to let you go now. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see
0: You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and Satan is called the accuser of the brethren because he hurls lies and condemnation at the people of God. The enemy's attacks can make us think that because of our mistakes, Jesus couldn't possibly love us, let alone forgive us. In today's message from Psalm 23, Pastor Ed reminds us that Christ's love for his people cannot be earned. God loves us because he loves us. And Jesus proved how much he loved us by dying on the cross. Therefore, when the enemy tries to condemn, we know that we are loved and forgiven. Now, here's Pastor Ed with his continuing look at Psalm 23.
1: Building in faith. If you come into this world, there are going to be times and trials in your life. Those trials sometimes knock us right off our feet, right onto our back. And we need the help of God. Sometimes those trials come with such force we don't think we can get back up again. God wants us to recognize that in the midst of the greatest trials of life He is there as our shepherd. When we're down on our back and we cannot get up He is there to lift us up, to pick us up. We can't do it on our own. Not only the, subject, the trials of life, but we're subject to the seasons of life. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, "When people live to a very old, to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life, but let them also remember that dark days will be many." I, I just think about those words of Solomon. Now, I I don't think we're to be pessimist, but we should be realist. The seasons of life are not always easy. Some people get through their adolescence just like nothing. Others struggle and battle as so many changes are taking place in their own lives, in their own body, in their own world. Some people, as they get into the young adult years, as they try and establish a home and establish a job, trying to find their place and niche in life and trying to find that right person. It seems to be a stormy time. Others in middle life hit a wall, a crisis, and it seems to unravel everything in their lives. Others, in the sunset years, it's the most difficult years of the journey. But somewhere along the spectrum, somewhere along the seasons of life, you're going to come into a storm. You're going to come into a tornado. You're going to come into a place where you feel like things are being uprooted. And when those times happen... You can be confident that right beside you is a shepherd that will tend you and care for you and nurture you and be with you. And when you're flat on your back and you feel like, oh, God, I can't get up from this, he is there to lift you up. That's what David said. That's what David experienced. He looked back on his life Filled with trials, filled with difficulties, filled with struggles. And to the very last breath He took, the Good Shepherd was there to lift Him up as He is with each of us. Hallelujah. You can get stuck in any one of those places if you don't allow the Good Shepherd to lift you up. If you don't allow Him to restore you. Don't fight his restorative hand. Sometimes it comes in a word of rebuke, a word of correction. Sometimes it comes in a form that we may not exactly like. But it's a good shepherd lifting us and restoring us. Dave Wilkerson shared about an experience in his own life where his wife, Gwen, was... Her body was being destroyed by cancer. She was deathly sick in the hospital. One of his children was in a a dramatic car accident. He said, for two weeks, I didn't open my Bible. I felt far from God. And he said, "I, I just came into the presence of God, and I just said to God, oh God, I don't need a rebuke. I just need you to love me. And the good shepherd knows how to restore his sheep. He knows how to pick us up when it's not a rebuke that we need, but it's a word of encouragement. He knows when to give what and how to do it. And that's what David is saying, not only because we're subject to the seasons of life, but we're also subject to our old life. Listen to the cries of the great apostle Paul from Romans 7 24 oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin until you leave this world and go to the world to come you'll have to contend with a sinful nature I wish it wasn't so I wish Wesleyan theology were correct where he believed in total eradication of sin but I haven't seen that in life and I haven't seen it in the pastorate. There's an old nature that we have to constantly die to daily. Constantly crucify. And we have to recognize that there's this remarkable aptitude we have to wander from God. You know what sheep? They have a remarkable aptitude to wander, to get lost sheep will not find their way around the block. They'll just get lost. They'll wander off. They cannot take care of themselves. There's not one single Christian in this church that can take care of themselves. You need a shepherd. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. And he offers to you his presence and his help. And when we live in conscious dependency upon God, we could live triumphantly, victoriously, with great assurance that He's there. But that life has to be lived in utter dependence. Sometimes we're conscious of our wanderings. We purposely disobey God. We purposely do what we want. Other times, we're not even conscious that our heart has grown cold and indifferent. Somehow it seems to us that the pastor's sermon isn't quite touching us or the worship isn't quite reaching us or things in our at the atmosphere of the church just aren't moving us so. But all the while it's on in the inside. You know, I've had people come into the church at times and remarkable the difference in response to a service. Some with tears in their eyes saying, oh, God met me. I felt his presence. He was here. Other people say, oh, I didn't get anything out of that service. Well, whose fault? See, the shepherd is there to work in our hearts. And he'll change that cold heart to a hot heart if we're willing We sometimes don't realize that we've become cold and indifferent and critical and somehow we have lost that that communion with God. Listen to the words of Hosea the prophet. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. How We blame God. We blame those around us. We blame everything but ourselves. And Hosea said, your sins have been your downfall, but in just a couple of verses, he goes on to say, I will heal their waywardness. Hallelujah. And love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Isn't it wonderful to see God turning from anger to love, from wrath and judgment to grace and mercy? I think about David in Psalm 51. I'd like us to just turn to that for a second. Psalm 51. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And then he says in verse 7, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have crushed. Rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Then in verse 13, 12 rather, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David, I believe, penned these words in his old age. Psalm 23. I believe it was an experienced man who looked back on his life and said, as I look back on my life, I recognize I need times of rest in God's presence because I can't do the best I can without being filled and refilled and sitting in his presence. And then he looked back on his life and he said, God, again and again, you have restored me. Think about what God did in David's life. Think about the miracle of restoration that took place in his life at this moment. I think about how David was all twisted in his thinking and hardened in his heart. He was ailing spiritually. He was flat on his back. But God came to him in the person of Nathan. And God restored him and lifted him up. And Jonathan Edwards, the great Christian revivalist, said, I've had a vastly greater sense of my own wickedness and the badness of my heart than ever I had before my conversion. I like what Wilmington Boone said, At the point of desperation is the time for rededication. When you're absolutely desperate, that's the time to put the energy forward and rededicate. And that's, I believe, what David is talking about when he's talking about the psalmist where he says, He restoreth my soul. You know, I, I could see this psalm, David's singing it as he's fleeing from Absalom. He's by the waters. And old friends of David, who still were loyal to David, come and they gather around him and they bring gifts of food and sumptuous meals for the men and him to eat. And the enemy is on the other side. And he said, Lord, you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. David was walking, as it were, through that valley of the shadow of death as he was going to war with his own son. And He could know that God was there to comfort and help him. Some said, God's finished with you, David. Did the devil ever whisper that in your ears? Did the adversary ever come and say, It's all over for you. David sang that song. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. Don't give the credit to pastors. Don't give the credit to the deacons. Don't give the credit to the preachers. Give the credit where it belongs to Jesus Christ, your good shepherd. He's the one who's kept you all these days. He's the one who kept you all your ways. And David said, He restoreth my soul. Oh, my second point. Because we belong to the world to come, we need restoration. He restores my soul. He restores my soul can be translated, He revives my life. God put brand new aspirations in your heart, brand new desires in your life when you came and accepted Him. Those desires have created a lot of problems for you. In Jeremiah 24-7 it reads, I will give them hearts that will recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people and I'll be their God for they'll return to me whole." You know why it gives you problems? Because you have new goals in your life. Your goal is to be like Jesus Christ. And when somehow you come short of that goal, man, you get discouraged. You have new aspirations in your life, aspirations to serve and to do the will of God. Before you were born again, you couldn't care less. You have aspirations now to please Him and to live a holy and a godly life. Things you never thought about before you were saved didn't bother you. Now they bother you. You're troubled in your spirit when you grieve God's Spirit because you're so connected to God. That's a sign that you're a son of God, a daughter of God. And because sometimes the enemy jumps on the back of that, the accuser of the brethren shouts down in your mind and heart and spirit to cripple you and accuse you. You need the shepherd to come and restore you. He tells you, I love you just because I love you, not because you've earned it. If God loved you before you were saved, he certainly loves you after you were saved. If God did all he did to orchestrate your salvation, he's not going to let you go now we've been given a cross to bear and because we're called to follow Jesus Christ and carry that cross the Christian life becomes difficult living in this world is difficult the world is not carrying a cross on their shoulders they're not running as we are after Christ not only do we have heavenly aspirations but we also have been given a new sensitivity in John 10 4, it reads when he has brought us out. When he has brought out all his own, he goeth on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. All the sheep could be gathered together, and the shepherds talking on some far-up hill, and suddenly one of the shepherds gives off a sound, a unique sound, and his sheep know his voice, and they separate from all the other sheep, and they come and follow him. And you know, we know the voice of God the Father, and we hear God speaking. To our generation, those in your class don't hear him speaking because they're not of the fold. Those at your work don't hear God the way you hear God. And because you hear him, you're in harmony with heaven. And because you're in harmony with heaven, you're out of harmony with this world. They're, They're just marching, as it were, to a different drum than we are. We're following the Son of God. Jesus was called the man of sorrows. Why was he called the man of sorrows? I believe he identified with people's sins. He felt the burdens of others. The Bible says that virtue would go out of him to the oppressed and those in need. And he carried, as it were, their sorrows, their burdens. And to anyone who has a heart of Christ inside of them, they are grieved by sin. The burden of sin weighs heavily on them. They could take, the world can take the name of God in vain and doesn't it grieve you? Don't you feel that pain on the inside? He's my Savior they're talking about. The world can laugh and mock at sin, but oh how it grieves us. We can't rejoice in what we used to rejoice in. We can't enjoy what the world enjoys. The Bible tells us that God cares about each of us. And because of that, He's given us a new sensitivity. And sometimes, the sounds of the world are a discord in our head. They cause disharmony within us. And these things... Become a burden. Did you ever get burdened down by the sin of the world and the things that are happening around? And you feel like, Oh God, when are you going to move? When are things going to change? And you could feel that way so much that you can become discouraged. The enemy will come with his master tool of discouragement and try and just knock you down. And at those times, the great encourager of heaven comes to lift your spirits up. In Joel, the prophet said in 2.25, So I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust." my great army which I sent among you. God was speaking to Israel. God judged Israel because of their sin. And he said, because of your sin, I sent judgment. But I want you to know I'm going to restore the years that I took. I don't know where you are in your Christian walk, but I know that the days ahead can be the most fruitful days in your life. The days ahead can be so fruitful that you'll forget the pain of the past you'll forget the years BC God in the years ahead can as it were compress time and make your life so valuable to the kingdom of God so fruitful for the work of God what he promised Joel in Joel's time he'll do for you I love Jeremiah thirty seventeen. But I'll restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you are called an outcast. Zion, for whom no one cares. In Jeremiah 31, 17, it says, So there is hope for you. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. God is the great restorer. Look at the people he used. He used Moses, who failed and murdered man who felt like his years were all over. God said at 80 years old, Okay, Moses, come out of retirement. I got a little job for you. Lead a nation out of captivity. Now, I know it's never been done before, but you're going to do it, Moses, because I'm your strength. Peter, it's not over. I know, Peter, I know you denied me. But Peter, I've chosen you to preach that sermon on the day of Pentecost to give a message that will be the foundational message of the church Paul I know the havoc you've worked in the church and the persecutions that you have perpetrated and the lives you have taken but Paul I want you to know that you're a chosen vessel Uh, what am I saying? I'm saying that God is the great restorer He takes what the world would discard. And he makes something beautiful out of it. Something good. Don't ever, ever forget that the second great promise found in this 23rd Psalm was your restoration. Because you'll need it. You will. That season of life may come. A trial of life may come. The burden that's been placed on your shoulders as a believer in Christ because now you're involved in the great controversy, the great war of the ages between God and between sin, between righteousness and unrighteousness. God is here to restore.
0: The Psalms are a wonderful place to turn to when in the midst of the most difficult times in this life. Pastor Ed will be sharing a 14-part series of messages from the Book of Psalms with hopes that you'll be encouraged each time you join us. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. In this you are hope you are life you bring peace.